think Hagrid had a pretty serious drinking problem, Kyle, in Harry Potter? Hagrid, problem drinker behind the scenes? That very well could be. DarbyCast, Economics Wednesday. And today, we've got a special Q&A session. A special Q&A session. Very, this is pretty important. Because over the past months, plural, yeah, that's a couple months, the info at DarbyshireUSA.com email address has seen a lot of action. It's seen more than its fair share of action, to be honest. She's taken a lot. She's just, what am I talking about? Yeah, but the email address she's been getting, that box has been getting stuffed, you know? And people, they they write in, they ask questions because oftentimes maybe you listen to one, two, three, 15 Darby casts and you're like, what, um, what the hell is happening? And for some people, I have a little sympathy but for most people who have listened to more than five, it's like, come on, get with the program or never come back. You want to leave. If you're not getting it between three and five episodes in, you don't find it funny or you're like, this is just a load of crap. I'm fine with you just packing your bags and splitting the Timbuktu. You're probably the kind of person who threatened to leave. You're probably the kind of person who in 2016, upon hearing that if Donnie J had won the presidency, which he did, you know, there were a lot of people who threatened to leave the U.S. and emigrate to Canada. And I was like, well, why aren't you going to uh, Mexico? They, uh, they couldn't answer that one. But yeah. So the Q&A, Kyle, can you put that up on the big screen so I can read it from afar? Yeah, 36 font would do it just fine. I've got 2020 vision. Of course I do, Kyle. But I want to see this very clearly. You get it. Okay, so this question, what's your process like? And I'll tell you, it's a combination of taking it real easy and then putting immense amounts of pressure on myself. And I'm talking excruciating amounts of self-imposed artistic hurdles where if I don't like the sound of a Darby cast, either because of the content or the audio quality, oftentimes I'll get pretty pissed. And I don't really like, I don't know, when I'm angry, I'm just like, ah, dang it. It's not like your industry standard rage fest. Because I think when some people get angry, they like start breaking stuff. That's not my speed. When I get angry, I'm just like, ah, damn it. Yeah. A couple times I've gone over that threshold, but it's not frequent at all. But yeah, then, uh, you know, some of my friends, they call me professor taking it easy. And they're like, you should teach a master class on taking it easy. And there is merit to that. That that midpoint between relaxation and furious 
self-criticism that doesn't really manifest itself on the surface, but on the inside, it's a churning maelstrom of emotional hurricanes. The perfect storm, George Clooney. There's a lot of George Clooney that goes into this, if you catch my drift. Next question. Who has influenced your style the most? And I don't know if that question is relative to my writing, the way I dress, or the podcast, but I'm assuming it's the podcast. And I would say, growing up, I liked listening to Jim Rome. Clones. Yeah. Jim Rome's the man. Comedians, Dave Chappelle, Bill Burr, Anthony Jeselnik. He gets a little rough. He's not for everybody. Jerry Seinfeld. I remember listening to Jerry Seinfeld's uh, bit about horses. Still one of my favorite things I've ever heard. Pablo Francisco. If you've listened to the the episode Blockbuster, you're like, you just ripped off a of Pablo. And that's like kind of true. Pablo's a good dude, though. I don't know if he's still performing. Henry David Thoreau, Ralph Waldo Emerson, Martin Luther King, God. These are the people. Definitely a whole lot of JC in the mix. Other influences, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Sly Stallone, Walt Whitman, Ulysses S. Grant, Mother Teresa. These are the people who I try to borrow from and integrate a couple of their key hallmarks and then just say, like, this is how to do it right. Somewhere between Dave Chappelle and Mother Teresa lies a very good person, I think. Yes. What will you name your firstborn? That's a big question. And that kind of relates to what I was talking about with Kyle when the show was starting. I'm thinking Hagrid, regardless of gender. You know, if it's a dude and he's named Hagrid, people will be like, oh, all right, whatever. Your dad must be a fucking loser. And then I won't have to befriend parents because I think parents in the future will be like super lame. You have to hang out with your, um, you, I think you do. You have to hang out with your kids, friends, parents. So maybe I just kind of head that off early and be like, yeah, I, you probably don't want to hang out with me. Um, I named my kid Hagrid. And if it's a girl, I mean, she'll probably either be a girl named Hagrid. That goes one of two ways. Could either be, you know, decent looking and high integrity or could just be an ug bug and be a world famous scientist. And as I'm fleshing out this idea and hearing myself speak, I'm going to kind of throw this in the trash. I don't know uh, what the firstborn will be named. Next question. I like this one. I like this one. ESP. Is it real? What do you think? And it's like, obviously, the SP is real. It has to be. You're telling me that there aren't some Sri Lankan teenagers who can read minds? You're kidding yourself. You're absolutely kidding yourself. And that's where they'd be, right? Probably just a small group of teenagers wearing leather jackets, riding around on elephants. Because there's elephants at Sri Lanka, for sure. And they're just running point on a lot of things. 
That's my hypothesis. And many of you have noticed that a lot of the things said on the Darby cast, they end up coming true or they end up just being true. And you scratch your head often and you wonder like, hey, where'd you get the information to deliver that, you know, a couple of weeks before it really hit the mainstream. And to that, I say, don't ask questions you don't want the answers to. Okay. ESP, is it real? I don't know. You tell me, right? Next email coming in. What are your thoughts on birds? And in parentheses, it says in general. That's a question that most people aren't willing to dip into because that's a dark space, right? Whoever wrote in with that question, I hope you're doing okay because you don't ask a question like that unless you are starting to think about the real big pieces of like the universe and what does it all mean? So what do I think about birds in general? Up to something? Maybe. You know, that meme going around a number of months ago, maybe a year ago at this point, you know, birds aren't real. That was a distraction. That was definitely a distraction from a much bigger reality that people running aviaries and menageries have been trying to keep under wraps for years. Don't do the research. Don't look into it. You're not going to like what you find out. And I'm okay giving cautionary answers like that. And I know that that will just pique people's interest and they'll end up going after it. But there's some things, you know, curiosity killed a proverbial cat. We all know that. So what's the hidden truth behind birds? People talk about the price of things right now, you know, because this is an economics Wednesday, right? Talk about the price of things. But what about the cost? Do you get it? Do you understand what I'm saying? The cost of knowing such forbidden knowledge and then having to walk around and own it, realizing that you couldn't share some pretty damning stuff with people because you're like, I just, I can't, I wouldn't wish this knowledge upon my worst enemy. So when you ask, how do you feel about birds, parentheses, in general, whew, if you only knew the half of it, if you only knew the half of it. Moving on. This one says, I'm struggling to come up with names for my dog. Can you lay out a few key ones? Well, obviously the answer to that is yes. There's things I'd like to know about said dog. Like, are we talking a puppy? Are we talking a rescue? Are we talking a big dog, small dog, medium dog? What's the personality? Maybe these are just questions that you want to ask yourself and the names will become more evident. You know, I've always thought it might be a hilarious play to name a Doberman Pinscher or a German Shepherd, something ironic like Kitty. So if you were in trouble and, you know, Kitty's like very protective, attack dog. And, you know, maybe it's nighttime. You see some dirt bags that are scheming to like try to get you. And you just shout out like, get him, kitty. You know, maybe they don't mess with you because they think you're an insane person. But then out of nowhere, out of the shadows, jumps a 160 pound Doberman pincher. And you say, yeah, kitty, yeah. Nobody would mess with you from there on out. I don't think you want to go with industry standard names. I don't. Like if you're naming a dog Duke, it's like, okay, just back off. Maybe you just don't. You probably shouldn't have gotten a dog. 
because the kind of companionship that you are giving that dog, I mean, it was so selfish, right? The people who named their dogs Duke, it's like, you're not trying to have a relationship with that dog. You're seeing that as totally a one-way street. That's a prop for that person. That's not a dog. That's not a companion. Do you understand? For a sloppy-faced dog or a long-haired dog, Rufus. Rufus makes sense. So good name for a dog. Also, Officer Scraps. Sometimes I like a longer name, Colonel John Matrix. And a lot of people say, maybe you go for one or two syllables, never over two. But I don't mind a proper name like that. Be like, come here, Colonel John Matrix. Bad Colonel John Matrix. That plays, right? I hope I answered your question. I probably answered it four times over with more information than you could even manage. Here's a really solid question. Kyle, I like this one. Kyle, I really like this one. If you could affiliate yourself with a brand, which one or ones make the most sense? There's a couple that stand out. There are a couple out there that really make sense. I think John Deere, My Pillow, Spalding, Bass Pro Shops. And some of you are asking yourselves right now, you're saying, why these? And I say, well, why not? And your heart just sank a little bit because you're like, wow, talk about a verbal checkmate in no time flat. Or you say, why? And I say, why not? Very hard to counter that, right? And I would totally take point on the creative of the ads. Like, you want to team up? Okay but I'm going to have to put my spin on it. It is the Darby cast. I like your product. I'm going to do you proud, but I'm not going to take any script you give me, right? I'm just not. But yeah, can you just imagine me doing full out on Bass Pro Shops? I know nothing about fishing. Absolutely nothing. But boy, would I just love to say Darbycast, brought to you by Bass Pro Shops. Are you an angler with a proper attitude who likes to go out in a canoe with other people and do things right at sunset with a fishing pole that just makes sense? Then look no further than Bass Pro Shops. These companies get no say in the creative, but boy, do I look forward to helping them build their brand. DarbyCast, brought to you by John Deere. When it's a hard day of working on the farm, plowing the fields, and you know you just got to get the job done, your wife is looking at you and she's like, let's have our fourth kid. And the sparrows are piping in like wailing banshees, cheering you on. John Deere's the only choice. DarbyCast, brought to you by U-Haul. Because when you've got to get the heck out of a city that is tearing itself apart and you're worried about your kids getting knifed, look no further than U-Haul to get the heck out of town. U-Haul, proud sponsor of Darbycast. But I'm willing to hype up a product that I don't necessarily use myself. I guess I could be convinced to rep a product. Provided that I was allowed to have my hands all over the creative. 
DarbyCast, brought to you by Garnier Fructis. Because if your hair is filthy and disgusting, people might think you're a commie. Garnier Fructis, DarbyCast, a match made in heaven. That's the direction a bold company needs to go. I think there are some bold companies still out there that haven't totally capitulated to the tantrums of the extreme left. Eh, a lot of big corporations have. They have. They don't actually care, right? None of these corporations actually care about these people, right? I think that's the part that just doesn't register with uh, a lot of these people rioting, protesting, doing whatever. Like, yeah, Microsoft is my best friend. It's like, Oh, man, that's too bad you think that. Google and I are going to hang out later. It's like, eh, okay. But yeah, there's going to be some sweet companies that get down on the Darby cast. How could they not? How could they not? That my pillow guy, I bet you I could send him an email tomorrow and we would have a deal done by Monday. Be like, hey, can I rep the shit out of your pillows? Can I tell people about the kind of depth of slumber that comes with a my pillow? Be like, hey, hear me out. Listen to this. Welcome to Darby Cast, brought to you in part by My Pillow for dreams and a sleep experience so restful you might just have. A nocturnal emission. That's it, right? But yeah, I just can't stress it enough that I have to have complete control over the creative. And I want to help out more kind of small, medium-sized businesses. Because, you know, these huge companies, they don't need any help. They already have, like, complete control. But wouldn't it be nice to just be like, Welcome to DarbyCast, brought to you by the Louisiana Public Library System. Because when you have a library card, your imagination is the only limit on your destination. Right? I'm fine doing that. I'm fine doing that. I will also do ads in Spanish, if need be. think that plays pretty well. Hola ustedes, bienvenido a DarbyCast. ¿Te gustas jugar deportes? Necesitas comprar pelotas de Spalding. Si quieres ser muy sexy cuando tú juegas deportes, las chicas van a decir algunas cosas como, Oh, qué guay este jugador. Él tiene un cuerpo muy fuerte porque él utiliza un pelota de Spalding. Are you catching all that? If you want to be a player that females recognize as a sexy athlete, they'll remark things like, wow, he's got such a strong body and he's using a Spalding ball. Yeah, that's what I can bring to the table in a big way. So get at me, Spalding, if you need to. If you need to, if you want a little market penetration, that door's open, that lane's open. 
I'd be more than happy to discuss promoting elderberry extract with the companies that are making elderberry extract. Check this. Welcome to DarbyCast. Are you feeling slow, sluggish, and like you're immunocompromised? Well, look no further than elderberry extract. It's good for your health and helps your body process viruses. Ever heard of the coronavirus? Not anymore. Welcome to Elderberry City, Population U. Elderberry and DarbyCast. Notbad.com. I actually don't know if Kyle's going to be able to handle the influx of emails that come into the inbox after this episode. I mean, if I worked at a marketing department of some, I don't know, company, it was like mid-size, and I'm like, ah, I'm getting killed out there by all these big players. How do I really make it all the way to the top? And then you catch wind of this, and then it's like, oh, that's what we call the fast track to relevance. Some company that's just been battling to stay relevant. They just finally figure it out. Picture this real quick. Picture this. DarbyCast brought to you by Benny Hanna. For those times when you want to eat steak and shrimp and get tanked, but pay a lot more than you would if you went anywhere else. If you haven't eaten a shrimp that's previously been flipped into a chef's hat, boy, have I got a surprise for you. It happens at Benihana. These are just great examples. These are great examples for advertisers to kind of tune in. Okay, we got another one here. Kyle, moving right along. Whoa, Kyle, this one's actually about you. It says, what's Kyle's story? Kyle is from Dubai. He comes from a very wealthy family. He turned his back on a lot of money. A ton of money, actually. Kyle, that's like, I still don't know why you did that. Because you could have had the money and still, I know this is like, you love doing this. But like, the fact that I've asked the listeners for donations so you could buy a surfboard. You could have a lot of surfboards. Had you just not gotten in such a tussle with uh, your family in Dubai. But yeah, Kyle's a good dude. Kyle is a really good dude. He and I have known each other for a couple of years. And pretty cool guy. Stand-up guy. He's a guy. Kyle, this is totally it, right? Kyle's the kind of guy who would show up to help you move, even if you weren't very close friends. I think that speaks volumes about somebody's character. It does. It does. When you think about people that really matter to you in your life, how many people would show up to help you move? How many people would you show up to their spot and help them move? Because that's depth of friendship right there. That's a strong relationship. That's what Kyle's got with just about everybody. Kyle is well-respected and almost universally loved. Kyle, I don't know how you do it. You're a good dude. Here's a question. It just says pancakes, question mark. And that's, that's a huge call. 
I wasn't ready for that one. Nothing's going to prepare you for a question like that. I used to eat buckwheat pancakes Saturday mornings. I didn't go for your standard uh, pancake. I went for buckwheat. Higher nutritional value. Slower digesting. You dominate and AYSO and defeat little commie kids. Here we go. What's the end game for Darby Cast slash Darbyshire? The books. And you think I'm just going to willingly divulge that kind of information? You're kidding yourself. A magician never reveals his tricks. It doesn't happen. And just word of advice, keep an air of mystery to you. As a Darby Cast doctor, keep an air of mystery. Don't always tell people what you're up to. Don't tell them where you're going, where you're headed, what your strategy is, what your plan is. Reserve that for the small inner circle. Like Kyle knows the game plan, right? But not everybody does. Do you understand why that's important? Obviously, you do. That question almost goes without asking, but I just want to keep that salient, fresh, front of mind, top of mind. You get it. What's your professional background? That's another question that came in. I've actually had that question come in a lot more than you'd think. It's a fair question. So like what kind of jobs have I had in the past? You know, worked for a couple uh, large companies, a couple small companies, a couple medium-sized companies. I can't imagine working for a large company these days. It sounds like absolute hell. The sheer number of overused cliches, it just sounds awful. Working for a big corporation right now, boy, sounds like absolute trash. You get in there, your boss knows nothing about sports, but thinks that you're a big sports person. So tries to relate to you. There's a lot of, uh, I don't know, let's call it social distance between you and a lot of the people at your company. You're like, I feel like a method actor pretending like I give a shit. I can't imagine doing this for my whole life. How have people done this in the past? All, all good questions. But let me hit you with this. Thursday morning. After lunch meeting, you're incredibly tired, exhausted. You'd eaten a burger, fries. It wasn't the right call, but it tasted good at the time. And you're doing like kind of a quarterly recap meeting with some people. Boss walks in, says, all right, gang, you win some and you lose some, but we play to win the game. I don't want to be kind of like that armchair quarterback. But this quarter, Q2, we kind of took it on the chin. With For a lot of companies with the coronavirus thing, let's say it's par for the course. And they like look at you and they wink because they think you play golf, but you don't really play that much. And then they're like, yeah, but we got to roll with the punches. And then they kind of shadow box and punch into the air a little bit. Say, I know there's other employment opportunities out there, but I don't want any of you guys just playing the field. What we need to do in Q3 is kind of put up a full court press, get the ball rolling a bit. You can't throw in the towel because the gloves are off. Back to the shadow boxing, your boss says, I think if we all, you know, one team, one purpose, this next uh, month is going to be a slam dunk and we can go the distance. 
and we might just win by a nose, but we certainly can't fumble the ball. It's going to come down to the wire, but we're not down for the count. We're going to need to hit it out of the park. I'm talking a major home run. You got to hustle, can't drop the ball. I'm not asking you to change the game entirely, but we want to move the goalpost. So swing for the fences, take it one game at a time, be a game changer, and keep an eye on the ball. If I actually had to sit through that, because I've done that kind of crap before, like a corporate meeting, it's like really rah-rah, get everybody into a room, be like, what do we want to do? Change lives! Yeah! (laughs) Act all hyped as if you might even consider doing this stuff, even if it were you weren't getting paid for it. Companies are really into that these days. They don't want to compensate you properly. And they're like, the experience is invaluable. And it's like, I could get the experience and get paid properly as well. That's an option, is it not? And then they accuse you of being very ungrateful. That's what happens when you have humongous companies that have all of the employment leverage and bargaining power and that they can replace you with an H-1B who they will treat like an absolute slave. Yeah, if you won't take the job at whatever corporation, they're going to get somebody from another country who's willing to take maybe 50% of what they offered you. And that H-1B visa, they're probably going to work for like, I don't know, maybe 90 hours a week. Meanwhile, you're just like, what is life? What is going on? But yeah, I, I don't miss working at humongous companies. I just don't. This one, do you play any video games? And if so, what's your gamer tag? I don't have an Xbox, so I don't have a gamer tag. I used to play games. I used to play video games growing up quite a bit, actually. Don't really mess around with them anymore. That might be a fun little deal. Maybe like a raffle for the Darbycast doctors, those of you who are gamers. And I'll link up with you on PlayStation. Okay, my gaming background, I think when I was 10 years old, played GTA 1 on the PC. GTA 5 is like pretty serious. Excited for GTA 6. That's really the only game I'll play these days. What's my favorite GTA? Vice City. They knocked that one out of the park. That was so good. 80s music, something else. Very, very good game. But yeah. I think a lot of kids want to be professional gamers. And that's a competitive field now. Here are the two things you need if you want to be a competitive gamer. And I would discourage you from doing this unless you're like a hot chick. Because hot chicks can do a lot in the world of gaming. If you haven't heard, if you're a hot chick, go on Twitch. Don't do the OnlyFans thing. It's very degrading. But go on Twitch. Dress up as Sailor Moon. Wear a scarf, play a game and give, I guess, some dudes, maybe some, a little attention and they'll give you like $10,000 a day. And it's not even theirs. It's like they steal their parents' credit card and then they, and then they pay you Sailor Moon. You're not even good at video games and you just have to like read the chat. And if anybody says anything in the chat, you just laugh hysterically as if it's the funniest thing uh, you've ever heard. You'll make a lot of money doing that. But bros, I'm going to be honest with you. 
there are two ways to make money as a gamer. A, you have to have the reaction speed of like a fighter pilot or better and practice playing video games all the time. Not only do you have to be top-notch to begin with and have lightning-quick reflexes, if you have short, stubby arms, that's actually a huge advantage. takes a shorter amount of time for neurological impulses to make it from your fingers to your brainstem, to the brain. That's true. That's science. So short guys, there's a chance for you. Get really good at games. Or you have to be exceptionally funny. Trouble with that is you might have to go outside into the world. And if you want to talk about life, sometimes you have to live it. So that's going to be a challenge. So either be amazing at video games or have tremendous stories that you can talk about while playing games, guys. And ladies, you just uh, dress up like Sailor Moon, right? Something like that. Or have like some Pokemon accoutrement in your room. Just have like a Pokeball beanbag in the background. You'll make like, I don't know, 400K a year. I think that's what's going on these days. Who will you be voting for? Yeah, makes me think of uh, Dave Chappelle's bit and killing them softly when he's like, whoa, what's all the personal questions? It's a good little stand-up bit. That's one of my favorite stand-up specials of all time. That was unreal. There wasn't a dull moment in that entire show. Still what I view as like the greatest stand-up act and show of all time. Call me sheltered and that I haven't seen enough, which is probably true, but that's one of my favorites. I'm going to vote for whoever makes the most sense. And if nobody makes sense, maybe I just say, no deal. Nobody's getting it. Nobody's getting this precious vote. Kyle, last one, Kyle. Do you believe in life after love? And this one, what? who did this come from? It says share at share.com. This actually came from share, you think? That's a little self-absorbed for her to like send in a question like that with the title of her own song, kind of shameless self-promotion out of Cher, to be honest. Cher, you're better than that. I've got like a little story about Cher. I do. Back in high school, we had a Secret Santa giveaway that turned into a white elephant whodunit. So we bought gifts for people. And then there was like the go ahead and steal it situation. Kind of a bummer, like, because a secret Santa, you put a little thought into the gift, but then white elephant, it's just like, okay, you just take whatever one you want the most. This is kind of a half empty, half full kind of story. So the gift that I ended up with was a VHS of Cher. And it was like a workout video. It's called Body Confidence by Cher. And I don't have a VHS player, but I'm pretty sure somewhere I have that VHS. I would like to see what that's about. So do you believe in life after love? Share. Shame on you. That's flagrant self-promotion. I understand times are tough right now, but back off. But also, I'm looking forward to maybe finding a VHS player. A VHS player must be expensive now. It's got to be rare. So maybe... Since this is Economics Wednesday, the economics of obscure electronics. If you have been hoarding obscure electronic devices, maybe you're about to have a payday. So yeah, mailbag, all done. 
Maybe we'll do this another time. We could, Kyle. We could. Do the Skype call, Kyle. You, you haven't talked to your parents in a long time. Just go for it. But yeah, that's Darby Cast. That's Economics Wednesday. Back Friday.